any other questions on my No, because I was so long-winded, I will now let you uh, I will cede the floor to you. <laughs> what do you know that we need to know? Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. And welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland is sick this week, so he is not in. He was dreading my positive attitude with the Orioles and the Liverpool late winner. More on both of those late. But my dear friend, Ryan Hunt, uh, him and I go way back. He's been asking to come on the pod as a guest, usually because he has strong opinions like I do about Virginia Tech and the Baltimore Orioles. And Leland won't let me talk long enough about those opinions as everyone that listens knows. So welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you, Joe. Happy to be here. I wish I was here under better circumstances, but I don't think my uh, Orioles love and Virginia Tech obsession is going to make Leland feel any better. So I'm, I'm all <laughs> birds, baby. Go O's. Yeah, and we appreciate, I appreciate Ryan jumping in here at the last minute. Uh, Leland just really uh, tried to do his best, but just not feeling up to it. And uh, obviously we're all wishing Leland McRae uh, a quick recovery in his illness and to all of our yak listeners make sure you tweet leland and ask him uh, how he's doing all right let's jump into this uh ryan march madness is what people want to hear about first i imagine especially the local aspect both of our local colleges in the area made deep runs in this tournament one of them still going uh, unfortunately the wrong one but virginia tech they get to a sweet 16. They did a lot better in that game than I thought they were going to. I know they beat Duke earlier in the year at Castle, but Zion didn't play that game. And I thought when Zion played, I just thought he would be more of a factor and that we wouldn't have any answer for him. Zion hurt us, but, and I'll get your opinion on it. I almost felt like RJ Barrett was the player who beat us, not necessarily Zion in that game. Yeah, I thought it was like the quietest 30 points I've seen from a player from Zion. I mean, it came in spurts. It was never really one run in the game that I thought he took over. I thought we played him pretty well. Uh, Ty Outlaw probably wouldn't have been my first choice to guard him for an entire game, but there really aren't any great options when the tallest player you have on your team is 6'7". So I, I thought we did that pretty well. Tyus Jones is really what killed us, hitting you know, a, a really a career high, you know, a ridiculous performance from him. He, he's not a three-point shooter. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's a sports stereotype that's been long told. But I, I'm always, you know, it, it's true. I mean, Duke gets calls. I mean, the, the refs stepped up. It seemed like about two or three minutes they started getting nervous that this wasn't going to go their fairy tale way. And, you know, that that elbow to Ahmed Hill's face when it was called, uh, you know, a foul on him. And then they reviewed it to say it was just common foul. It's like, all right, well, you know, clearly the refs probably saw in the replay there wasn't any foul there if there's not one called on Ion. So, but yeah, no, I'm proud of the proud of the guys, and and obviously I know you're you're going to get into the buzz stuff a little bit later. That's probably dominating most of Hokie Land with basketball, but pretty hard to be upset with the best uh, season they've ever had in their college basketball history. And I, I texted you this right after the game, and I texted Leland this too. I think if Buzz and Coach K, if you give them equal players you know, in a magical world where you could make sure that the talent is equal and they're coaching against each other. I think Buzz beats Coach K 10 out of 10 times. I, I, there were just too many instances where I was like, man, that was a brilliant play drawn up. That was a brilliant idea by Buzz to go attack Duke. Um, and it was just Duke won because they had more talent and they barely won. And they are, they're, the amount of talent they had better than ours was vastly superior. And so the fact that we were, a missed put back away uh, from winning the game uh, to me was it was a heartbreaker and it hurt more because it was so close. But uh, like you said, you can't really be upset with what this team accomplished. No, but buzz out coached coach K you don't get within two points of a team that has five top 50 recruits and, and you know, you have one. So, uh, you know, he clearly had a really another really impressive coaching performance. He had those guys playing hard pretty much the entire time. I, I really do think if they beat Duke, they'd be in the final four. I, I really I really feel like they were on that kind of run if they could have pulled it off. They hit three point shots more in the tournament, which kind of dogged them late in the season. But I think a huge part of that was Robinson. You just wonder, you know, what it could have should have. But if Robinson hadn't 
had that injury where this team would be probably looking at about 28 to 30 wins. And, and, and I think they'd be, they'd be going strong, but you know, look, I, it, it all comes down to what, what happens with buzz and, and whether he goes to Texas A&M or not. Yeah. And you just touched on it. I mean, that's the big rumor that he's going to be going to Texas A&M, Texas A&M allegedly offering him three and a half million. Now, I mean, this information has been out basically since we got knocked out of the tournament uh, Friday night. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night around nine o'clock Eastern and Buzz Williams still is at Virginia tech. There's still been no official numbers out there from anyone. And, uh, Whit Babcock, uh, you know, has been told he can match three and a half million. Um, obviously we are both very biased in this and we hope Buzz stays. Um, let's, let's, let me ask this. Do you think he stays? No, but I, but it was at, it was at 90% that I think he's going to leave a week ago. It's probably hovering around 70% now. The, the longer he waits, I can't see him keeping Virginia tech waiting that long. I think he does have a respect and admiration for the current players that he has, which will all leave, which is what I really don't want to happen. But, you know, but, but, and I think he has a lot of respect for Whit Babcock too. I, I don't think he would leave us hanging Virginia tech. Well, well, I think we want to feel sorry for ourselves if Buzz leaves, and it will be a huge blow. I do think we're going to get a better coach because of Buzz and what he did here. I do think we're going to be thought of as potentially an ACC diamond in the rough that you can build up and win, kind of like what Tony Bennett's doing. But if Buzz stays, then this team is on a trajectory that's similar to what I think Tony Bennett's doing at UVA. Buzz really just the last couple of years has started to get a team that's competitive in the tournament. First time we have actually ever won a tournament game under Buzz. It had been, what, since 2007, since we had won one period. So, yeah, I, I hope he doesn't leave. It, it, the longer he waits, though, and the more that's out there and that he doesn't, and that he keeps tweeting stuff about Virginia Tech like no, nothing's happening. Um, I, I, you know, maybe it was just manufactured by the media. There, there, there's clearly evidence that Texas A&M wants him. They have no secondary option. But that's what you're going to say if you're trying to land a big fish. And, you know, I, if it gets any higher than three and a half million, even at three and a half million, it's going to be really tough with Tech. They already gave him an increase in pay once. It'd be really hard to do that twice when you're when you're still, I think, at the end of the day, a football school. I agree with you there. I think at the as you said, at the end of the day, we are a football school. Um I mean, I agree too. I think he leaves. Somebody uh, needs to tell Justin Fuente. Yeah, well, we could be here all night if we start talking about Justin Fuente. <laughs> but um, I, I think Buzz. You know, I I think he leaves. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is just you know negative Joe and that Buzz stays. And because I think you're right, I think this is a team that if Buzz is here, I'd say in two years we're we're right there, maybe even beating UVA. Um, and I, I, if you would have asked me four years ago, will Virginia Tech ever win an ACC championship in basketball in your lifetime? I would have said no. And why would you even ask such a dumb question? Um, but now, yeah. now I'm like, yeah, maybe. I mean, Buzz is doing some things that I didn't think were possible at Virginia Tech. I never thought I would see Virginia Tech as a four seed. And he did that with Justin Robinson, his best player out for, you know, a, about a third of a year. So and he, he didn't even come back really until the tournament started. So uh, it was pretty impressive his, what he's done here at Virginia Tech already. And if he stays, I, I agree with you. I think he continues that trajectory. But let's. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll end up my thoughts on this with, with this point that, you know, you and I talked over the weekend, you know, over the phone, kind of a little bit more about this exact topic. And, and you know, I, I just, from a, from a pure basketball standpoint, don't understand. It took five years to get Virginia Tech to this exact same point that you're going to have to go through that exact same process with Texas A&M. They're a broken program. Yes, you were a former assistant there. Yes, you love Texas. But you're kind of looked at as sort of a deity by the Virginia Tech fan base. I mean, you really are a savior um, and, and, and and somebody who made me care about Virginia Tech basketball for for more than I have in my entire life. I mean, yeah, okay, the Seth Greenberg years were okay, but they really look terrible by comparison now. It, it, this is a legitimate team on the rise. I wouldn't want to leave that for one more million a year and being in Texas, but I don't know where, where the man's heart is. It'd be hard for me to be too upset with him. He's given me five great years. There's no guarantee we even have a better season than this, even with Buzz, as much as I, we're talking about the positive stuff. This was a special team. It was a team I'm proud of, and I'm going to miss a lot of the players. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, some of that is he grew up in Texas. That's where he wants to end his career. It's where he wants to live. So, I mean, and if you're Virginia Tech, you can't do anything about that. Uh, You can't make Virginia, Texas. So just think think he would take a better would wait for a better Texas job. But like, look, they have they have the money to spend. Jimbo Fisher's a headline name. Look, he may just want to jump in on that program and see what he can do. I don't know. I I think if he waits another year. Yeah, I think if he waits another year or two, Texas is open and probably tries to get him. I mean, Shaka Smart is going to get fired. That, That program is going in the wrong direction there. But. Yeah, and and on that note, we don't get need to get too far down this path. But the VCU coach is one of the candidates that's rumored to potentially take the Virginia Tech job if Buzz does bounce. The current the current one, not Chaka Smart. Yeah, he's he's okay. Um, yeah. UVA, we'll talk about them now. They won uh, maybe the game of the tournament, even though it kills me that the way it went, uh, beating Purdue in overtime off of a really heroic shot by Chiquite. Um, Man, I didn't know his name, so I'm glad I'm glad you knew that. I, 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 it was pretty painful to watch that that ending as a Virginia Tech alum and fan. Uh, but you're right. You know, look, there's been a lot of really good down to the wire games this tournament. It's been a really good tournament. Um, and I've enjoyed watching it. And and look, as much as I my disdain for UVA is on full display for people who don't know me on this show, I, I'm not. A, I, it's going to be hard for me to keep it professional, but I will because I care too much about Joe, but, uh, it, it, it was, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where Purdue had a freakish performance from, from one player who was carrying them. And, and I really thought when they went up, they were going to pull it off, but free throw shooting, it's the theme of the tournament. It's the theme of any tournament in any college basketball season. You can't shoot free throws. You're going to have a hard time closing games. And that's what happened there. And, you know, UVA won it fair and square. They move on in advance and they play Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers. Yeah, and I, I told you this. Um, when they kept putting up the Purdue shooters free throw percentages for the year, when they were at the line, I was like, oh, okay, so no one on this team can shoot free throws. Like, that's going to be an issue here. And it was, like you said. And I, I'm not going to lie. When that ball got tipped as far as it did out into the backcourt, I was like, game over. I was already up celebrating. And and then they yeah, make that shot. And as soon as they made it, you know, in my head, I was like, okay, they're going to win now, and this is going to be disgusting. But um, you know, congratulations to Tony Bennett. I will say this, UVA fans, you are insufferable. Um, you make it to one final four and I have seen it all over social media now. Like where's all the UMBC talk now? I'm like, it's still here. You're still the only one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. I don't know why you would ever bring up the letters U M B and C in the same sentence, let alone run them together. Um, I, I, I don't get it, but Look, Tony Bennett, I've, we, Leland and I have said this before, and I know you feel this way too. Tony Bennett is a good coach. Yeah. He'll be a great coach if he wins a national championship here. Um, and, you know, maybe he's right there on that cusp of being named a great coach now. But he's not the greatest coach in the country right now. I'm sorry. And he's, I, I'm, he's not one of the greatest of all time. He's one of the greatest. He might be the greatest coach in the history of your program, and that's cool. Buzz Williams is the greatest coach in our program um but stop don't oversell what you're doing here and i love uva fans too like one time getting here and they're like where's all those people that said tony bennett's system couldn't get to a final four be like okay well tony bennett kind of agreed because he got more people that could score they're a better scoring team this year than ever this year so yeah, I'm sorry. They, they yeah, if you only scored 60 points a game, you'd still be at home. You would have lost to Oregon. So yeah. I, what are we talking about here? And I I just love, I mean, is anyone sitting here going, oh, Bruce Pearl's system is the perfect system or that whatever the guy's name at Texas Tech is. Oh, he's got it figured out. He's the greatest coach in the country. No, we're not. You know why? Because people don't fly off the handle and say dumb stuff. It's like UVA fans. You have a good basketball team. You have a great program. You've done a lot in the ACC in recent history, but don't oversell yourselves and just, you know, just go fly off the handle. It's like you're overcompensating for something. I mean, and eventually they will win a football game against Virginia tech. I hope I'm dead before that happens, but eventually they will. And I already know when they do, it's going to be like, we've arrived. We're the greatest football team in Virginia. And it's going to be like, what you win one game in 50 years and all of a sudden you want to be crowned like this amazing achievement. Calm down. See if you can beat Auburn. I think you will, but I'm not positive because Bruce Pearl's going to have a slippery banana peel to pull, throw out somewhere because that guy is a total slime ball. And if you want to, you know, if you want to, 
push me into a corner and say, who's the better human being? Yeah, I'll take Tony Bennett every day of the week. But Bruce Pearl is a pretty good coach. I'm sure he's paying those players at Auburn a lot of money to win this game on Saturday. And uh, I did say paying his players. I'm absolutely positive that's what's going on there at Auburn. It's just a matter of time before they figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll be the biggest Auburn Tiger fan on the face of the earth, even probably including some of the strongest fans in their in their fan yeah, base, including and their Charles status. Barkley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be yeah, I'll be riding, I'll be rocking like Charles Barkley this weekend. But yeah, I you know, look, I I agree with you. It seems like every time they do something, we have to put out the red carpet and run a parade down down what you know charlottesville it, it, it is frustrating their fan base is obnoxious they probably think the same thing about virginia tech but you know what you say they're overcompensating for something how about being good at absolutely nothing other than basketball i mean that that okay oh, don't baseball. forget all those non-profit yeah don't forget all those non-profit yeah. sports yeah yeah i'm sorry but pbs at three in the morning gets better ratings than college baseball so congratulations <laughs> you, you got that in frisbee golf <laughs> Uh, but you know, so, or crochet, you know, croak, you know, they're, they're just absolute joke. Um, but you know, credit kudos to them, kudos to the program. I'll give them, I'll, I'll salute them for finally getting to the final four. They did adjust their strategy. Bennett is a good coach. Uh, I do think they're going to beat Auburn. Unfortunately, I just hope that whoever wins the other game, uh, preferably Michigan state. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't say that because I don't, I, I like the Texas tech story. I'm here in Texas. And, you know, we're getting wrapped up into it here. We hear a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Texas Tech Red Raider fans. But now, you know, I, they don't have a better chance of beating UVA. And that, at, the, at the end of the day, that's all I'm worried about. It's Bruce Pearl this week, and it's whoever wins next yeah. week to beat UVA. At the end of the day, it's about accomplishing the number one task, yes. which is just <laughs> making sure UVA doesn't win a national championship at this point. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and look, I do think Michigan State will win that other game. I think it's going to be Tom Izzo, UVA's original nemesis versus UVA. And uh, hopefully Tom Izzo gets it done. But we'll we'll see. We'll have that episode uh, for you next week. We'll we'll know the answer by the time we release an episode next week. And it's going to be maybe upsetting, maybe good. We'll just have to see. I don't even know what sport I was thinking of. Crochet. I think that's like that's like knitting. That's isn't knitting. It? Yeah, croquet. Oh, that actually sounds that actually sounds something UVA fans are really good at knitting. While yeah. all of us are uh, watching watching basketball games. Um, let's quickly touch on Duke losing to Michigan State because that's how Michigan State got here. Um, finally, their lack of shooting caught up to them. I mean, that was some really horrendous shooting from Duke, uh, and they just couldn't stop Michigan State. Michigan State's a good team. Tom Ozo is a really good coach. And that's why, like, those two being in the same region was one of those things that I was like, that's not really fair to either team because someone who's probably going to go to the Final Four if they were in any other region will get knocked out in the Elite Eight because these are two, the two greatest coaches currently in college basketball, in my opinion, are Tom Izzo and Coach K. And that being said, um, Tom Izzo won this year. And I know I said Buzz would beat Coach K 10 out of 10 times if they had equal footing this year. I think this year, Coach K kind of just didn't have it. I don't know if it was he had Zion and he was like, I'm going to rely on Zion or what, or if he's just old. I mean, he is getting up there if he's just losing it a little bit. Um, but Tom Izzo has done a lot with his team, uh, and he does every year. He does it with four-year players. He doesn't go after the one-and-done guys. Uh, he gets a lot of four-year players at Michigan State and kind of w- continues to win the old-school way. And I, I like Tom Izzo. Uh, so seeing Michigan State in the Final Four doesn't bother me. I like Tom Izzo. Yeah, Coach K looks like a tired old man to me. I, I, I Just for the first year time, he really just looked like he was kind of – even when he lost to Michigan State, he just kind of looked like he was over it. I don't know. I mean, his life lifestyle might as well be sponsored by Life Alert. That dude's had more hip surgeries than anybody. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. I mean – he, he's not a healthy guy. He's had well documented. Remember, he passed out in the middle mm-hmm. of a game one. Day. I mean, so does Roy though. Are, yeah. he, he's put a lot of good years into it. I, I'm not a Coach K fan per se, um, but I, I have uh, extreme amount of respect for what he's done and accomplished, uh, including being able to get the refs to do to talk to him at any point in any situation in front of the other coach. Um, but yeah, look, you've had two bounce outs now in the Elite Eight back to back years with more talent than anybody on the planet. The only indictment I can put on that is the coach. And, yeah. and, and he, he deserves all the blame. I mean, Michigan state in any other year would be an admirable loss. They, they should have lost to UCF, 
They should have lost to Virginia Tech. And then now here we are, and they finally lose to Michigan State. They were all really close games. But, you know, I just, you know, Zion, to me, what my fear would be is that he did not, he was not able to carry his team and persevere. It took other players around him in almost every single game to keep them close or to give them the win. Uh, you know, UCF was in, it was was pretty much the Zion show at the end. But in Virginia Tech, he really needed Tyus Jones and, and R.J. Barrett to step up and help him win the game. Not saying there's anything wrong with having good teammates, but I worry about him being a one-man show that you can build around. All right, so before we get to baseball, we are going to take a look at a national story here. And I think you and I are going to have slightly different opinions on this. The AAF announcing that they are not going to play the rest of their games this year. They're already done. They did not make it through year one. Um, I was hoping it was going to be a developmental league for the NFL. I thought it would have been good if the NFL had full, full on embraced it and just pumped money into it. I think that's how something is going to like, that's going to have to survive. I don't think they can do it on their own independent money. I just don't think, the revenue is there for that. I think the it's going to have to be like the minor leagues. Uh, the NFL is going to have to pump money to keep this thing alive. Uh, and they didn't, and the AAF is done. The AAF was forcing players to pay for their own flights this week. The end, sayonara, sail up the river, never to be seen again. Nobody. Yeah. This will be a really bad Buffalo Wild Wings trivia question in a few years. I honestly didn't even know they were still playing games. I caught a little bit when they were on CBS National. You got all Jones in for it. You were all excited. I didn't get the big deal. It's a bunch of bums that couldn't cut it in the best <laughs> sports league of all of, in all professional sports playing and holding on to a childhood dream that needs to be squashed. Bye-bye, AAF. We, we couldn't even make it to your first birthday to tell you to blow out the candles. We had to do it, what, three months in? I mean, just a bad business. It sounds like, I mean, who was running? Not this? even three Carney? months. Like, literally. I mean, this is, it was this being run by like people like I'm, I, I, that had never invested money in anything? I mean, it's just, it's weird. I, I think Quiznos was their lead sponsor. I mean, they, they no, it was Navy they Federal. Have, I saw like a thousand Navy Federal Navy commercials. Federal? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought Circuit City. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing that I guess surprised me is how little of a business plan they apparently had. Um, because to not even make it through year one, uh, well, I mean, have a business plan. there were plenty, there were problems in week two. I mean, after yeah. week two, they were like, Oh, we're not sure if we're gonna make payroll. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of early to be having money problems. So, and then the owner, that's when they got this new, uh, guy to come in, Tom Dolan, I think his name is. And, um, he kept him afloat until now. And then he was looking around. He said, look, if the players union isn't going to send us practice squad players, then we're done here. And the, the players union was not going to send him practice squad players. He didn't see the point in continuing then. And he announced that they're done. So I, I don't squad players where the, where were they going to get those? The local high school, they, they barely could field regular players. Well, but that's what they're saying. They wanted the NFL practice squad players oh, okay. to, oh, the actual to be allowed players. to play in that. They wanted the players union to send them the NFL players union to send them, uh, practice squad players from NFL rosters to their league because then it would be at like an actual developmental league. And again, I think that's what it would take. I think it's going to take the NFL pumping money into this like major league baseball does with the minor leagues. I mean, I'm sorry. Do you think, do people actually think the Richmond flying squirrels are still in business today? If the San Francisco giants aren't pumping money into that? No, they play at the Boulevard, which is a giant dump. Um, it's like O.co If you shrank it down, and O.co is the worst baseball stadium in the history of baseball stadiums. And that's including the current model of Polo Grounds, which is a parking lot. Um, so it, uh, if the NFL is not going to do that, then I don't want to hear the NFL be like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of bummer that the AAF, we don't have a developmental league. And, uh, you know, I'm like, OK, well, I mean, that's kind of what you get. Um, I think the NBA with the G League has a good idea. I mean, they do that. They pump money into the G League. They keep it around. It's a developmental league where NBA teams will go in. And now the NBA doesn't treat it exactly like minor league baseball because I don't believe there are affiliations with the teams. I think you just go in and sign a guy. Uh, I think anybody in the G League is open to anybody in the NBA, and they can throw them a 10-day contract if they want. Um, I might be mistaken about that. I haven't done too much research into the G no, League. I 
Yeah, the G League kind of is an up and down thing. Teams can assign them uh, to play there. But how many AAF teams were there? There were only eight, and that's the thing. Yeah, there's, so there's eight, eight less. So there's eight less dumps around the country that don't have sporting events going on. Okay, because some of those venues too, you couldn't even HD cameras. They don't. They don't tell any four four K cameras actually. Yeah. There's, there, there, there's no lies being told on on TV there. It, you know, it was exciting for a little pinch. Uh, what you're describing about wanting it to be a developmental league is something that never existed. I agree with you. I would have been on board with that, but it was advertised as it was advertised as developmental league. Bill Polian said that's what he wants out of it. But he, there was never any official licensing with the NFL. No, and that was the problem. That's where they went wrong. So they should have gotten that first. Your developmental league, but the league that you're developing them for doesn't want to join the show. Then you're probably the lights are going to get turned off and the water's going to stop running pretty fast. You know who the biggest loser in all this is? Is Starter. Because I saw they were making the uniforms. I didn't even realize Starter was still in business. I, I didn't either. This is literally like all of these companies got in on this Ponzi <laughs> scheme called the AAF to try and re- try and see a resurgence that was never going to happen. Were they giving away Furbies to the first 10,000 fans? Yeah, bad news for Johnny Manziel. He finally gets to the league and it folds. He, well, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's not such a coincidence. Uh, all right. Well, we'll take a quick break here on the Yak Sports Podcast. When we come back, Ryan and I will deep dive into the AL East superstar Baltimore Orioles. All right. We are back here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Um, before we go into the Orioles, because once we start the Orioles engine, we are not going to stop. Um, let's talk about the other Beltway team formerly known Montreal Expos, currently known as the Washington Nationals and biggest postseason disappointment off to a regular season disappointment. The month of March was not kind to them. One and two, losing the first two games of the year to the Mets and then finally winning the finale there. They play the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper's return tonight. Uh, as we're recording, um, they are losing in the fourth inning as we speak to nothing. Um, but this is a team that I I thought would win the NL East. I thought they had done enough in the rotation. I thought their offense wasn't horrendous, and I thought their bullpen would be better. Again, we're three games in, so I'm trying not to read too much into it. But what I've seen so far has been this offense has no run support for their pitchers, and that's been kind of troubling. And their bullpen is still not very good. What a yawnathon the Washington Nationals are. I can't tell you. I, I honestly, I will say this: we do we we have. Uh, we're obviously, as Joe mentioned, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, but I do we do have a story that has already come out of this game. Bryce Harper did get his pants boot off when he came up for his first, uh, and yeah. I watched the bit. I watched the video. It I enjoyed it because I don't like Bryce Harper, and I absolutely can't stand the Philadelphia Phillies. He did get fanned on his first at bat too, which I think they enjoyed. Um, but you know, look, they, they're 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 undefeated, so uh, the Phillies, so. I do want to hear the clip of FP Santangelo describing it because FP Santangelo is the most insufferable person to listen to speak. And yes, he is the Orioles version of Mike Bordick, but worse um, because Mike Bordick tries to put a positive spin on everything. And FP Santangelo does the same thing. I, and he had loved Bryce Harper. Like, no one loved Bryce Harper. I, he puts Bryce Harper's mom's amount of love for Bryce Harper to shame. Um, so to, I would have loved to hear him to see if he agrees with the fans booing or if he's like, oh, Bryce has done a lot for this organization. We should be happy with what he did. I, I totally agree with the fans booing him. He went to your rival. If Manny Machado went to the Yankees or the Red Sox, I would boo him. I'm going to boo him anyway because of what he said about Baltimore in the media, which I thought was total Bush League. Um, but... I have no problem with the the Nats fans booing Bryce Harper. I do hope the Nats beat the Phillies because the thought of the Phillies being good is almost enough to make me claw my eyes out. But, um, yeah, rough start for the Nats, but it's early. And I think when we're talking about the Nats around the trade deadline, they'll be where they need to be. I mean, the Marlins are two and three, so let's – I mean, come on. I'd rather stick my hands in an oven with no mitts than have, than have a meal with FB Santangelo. Okay. That, that guy is about as insufferable of a human being as you can find. And let me tell you, Bob Carpenter is not much better. No. Now let's talk about the Beltway baseball team, your Baltimore Orioles. 
three and one on the verge, dare I say, of being four and one as we record with a two run lead in the seventh on the Blue Jays. Boy, you're really you're gutsy going out on a two nothing limb there. The way the last couple of a couple of games have been going, but you know, this let the team. magic happen every time you go. It's it's Orioles magic time, dude. It, 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 I will say this: I didn't expect to win two series all season, so to do them <laughs> in the first two, I'm pretty pumped. And and look, it, yeah, we're buyers right. at I the mean, deadline, baby. <laughs> we're already two outs in the seventh, baby. We're 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 seven outs away from another one. So I, I I think the not to get too dated on the podcast, but even if they lose tonight, a three and two start or a four and one start, either way. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about the direction of the team. There seems to be an energy there that just was lost last year. Buck was speaking of tired old man. Buck was done. He had, he had a, a total dumpster fire on his hands. That was, it was literally bandaid after bandaid trying to get, get this team competitive in the off season. Dan Duquette blowing up our farm system, going all out on just these short term fixes. No more of that. Michael Elias said, we're doing it the hard way. We're getting, you know, we're going to get young players. We're going to build through the draft. We don't have the money to compete with the big boys. It, it's it, it's a it's a refreshing take, and you know, it was heartbreaking for David Hess to be taken out of a of a no hitter situation after six and a third. But it kind of shows you the the, the gutsy uh, nature of Brandon Hyde, and that he's willing to look forward to the future and not jeopardize his players' health. But you know, uh, Brand uh, David Hess uh, rather you know, pitching six and a third, but he also pitched uh, two innings on opening day and then pitched a long start in spring training for the last game, uh, looking out for his health. Uh, he looked filthy. Uh, Andrew Kashner looked really great tonight. Um, so, you know, they're rocking and rolling. They've got re- what's what's encouraging to me is the pitching um, seems to be doing really well. They're getting enough hitting, but that lineup, let's be honest, it, it's major league, but it's major league three. OK, so it, it is not a good looking lineup. But, uh, you know, they're playing hard. They're playing the game the right way. They're still probably going to win 50 games, but I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, you and I have made a lot of jokes about the Orioles before the year, last night, last night even, um, you know, uh, obviously enjoying the 3-1 and start last night. And I imagine where it's going to go after this podcast if if we are 4-1. and um, But... You know, making jokes about Renato Nunez, World Series MVP, and stuff like that. I mean, you don't look at anyone in this Orioles lineup and go, yeah, I would be scared to face him. Um, there is literally no one in this lineup that's going to give any pitcher in the majors a nightmare. But Except for Hanser Alberto. Yeah, that guy. Wow. Um, <laughs> two for two in his debut. But, I mean, I, I just, I think, call me crazy, I think losing the Mannies... Um, and the scopes and the other guys that just you can tell didn't really want to be here. I think wow. I think that helped. I think that was a giant lift off the clubhouse. You have managers and a GM who are willing to embrace young players and not put pressure on them. And, and maybe the fact that they read in the paper that we were going to lose 120 games, for, according to everyone, maybe that made them feel better. Maybe it put a chip on their shoulder. Maybe it made them feel like, who cares if we go out and lose this game? Let's take some chances. I'm going to try my best. If we win, cool. If we lose, we were supposed to. I think it's more the latter. I think I think Brandon Hyde has them playing really loose. And I, I think they have a kind of like, we're going to go out there. You know, Those are the dangerous teams, though, you see. You see it in the NFL, too. It's like teams that have nothing to lose are not teams that you want to play, uh, particularly when the, those nothing-to-lose guys – have an average age of like 27 years. I mean, we're the youngest team in baseball. It's hard to hard to believe because we we were starting to become one of the most declining, aging, total Titanic disasters of a baseball organization. And to see, you know, other than Chris Davis, to see a, a team full of deserving uh, gentlemen go out there and win games. Um, but that that I will say, a topic for probably down the road for you and Leland to revisit. The Orioles are going to have a tough decision with Chris Davis because. It's now up to 0 for 11 with seven strikeouts to start the season. And, you know, while, while the 4 and 1 starts, a lot of fun to talk about, that's going to be a problem for developmental stuff down the road because this team's probably not going to be very good at the end of the day. If Chris Davis was on the Titanic, he wouldn't have hit the water when that boat hit the iceberg. <laughs> I mean, he is absolutely He's atrocious. Terrible. I, I, I mean, texted you. Care. 
He doesn't care. Oh, no. You just see it on his face when he goes back yeah. to the dugout. It's just like, oh, well. I texted you. I was like, Ryan, is he going to get a hit before 30 at-bats? And the answer is a resounding no, probably. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think he will. He is so bad. I mean, you can't even make jokes about how bad he is because you, I can't even imagine. Like, when I picked 30, I was like, yeah, maybe that's a number that maybe he doesn't get a hit. But I don't know. It's, maybe it's 50. Maybe he doesn't get a hit in his first 50 at-bats and he strikes out 40 times. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he is literally doesn't even need a bat for what he's going up there to do. He's not going to put it on the ball. I don't know why he doesn't bunt more often. When you're as bad as he is, why do you not try to bunt? What are you going to do, strike out trying to bunt? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, God, you're striking out anyway. I agree. It's painful to watch. It's getting to the point where it's like, you know, he doesn't even show any emotion. I think he knows. Like, I think he knows he's done. Like, you know, it's that moment now where it's like, I got my money. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if greed's necessarily the motivation now. I think he's just absolutely, totally lost. Like, he goes up there with no plan at the plate. You watch him. I mean, his first at bat, he watched three balls go right down the middle of the plate. It's not like they're challenging him, even. They're basically throwing him stuff that is easily hittable. Last night, we were, you and I were kind of encouraged by him. He got a walk, hit a couple of balls that were hard, you know, but, you know, or maybe that was the last game of the Yankee series. I, I, I don't know. It was the Blue remember. Jays. He walked in a run. He walked in a run. I, I was I was wrong. It was fool's gold. He came back tonight looking even worse. And and I, I just I, I don't see I don't see a solution there other than he's got to go and you just got to eat the money. Would you rather pay somebody to absolutely dog your team and 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 put you out of games, or would you rather pay you know I, I or would you rather pay somebody just to go away? And I think that's where they're at right now. I I agree. I've been there. I've been there. You know, for about a year now. Um, I I don't know what else you can say about him. Uh, he is a human being. Um, so the human aspect <laughs> of it. Resorted to with Chris Davis, he is a human being. That, that's the only thing I can say to describe him because he's not a baseball player. No, that's the nicest thing I can say about Chris Davis. He is a human being. Um, yes. uh, if he has kids, I'm sure he loves them, but he doesn't love the fans. He doesn't love his teammates. Um, it, Say what you will about Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, they did not steal as much money from the United States government as Chris Davis is stealing from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and it, it's offensive. This is a Peter Angelos deal. I don't even put this on Dan Duquette. This was a Peter Angelos saying, this is my guy. We need to re-sign him. Yeah. Um, so that's on Peter um, that being said, he doesn't have much time left. So I'm glad he's not involved. He he appears to be very hands off now, and his sons seem to have taken over, and his sons seem to trust Mike Elias, which good. Um, because right now, I know we're only five games into the year, but I'm loving what Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde are doing. Yeah, so uh, look great. Give me more of that Kool Aid. Yeah, and look, uh, is this team still going to be last place at the end of the year? Probably, but. Oh, well, I'm enjoying the first five games of the year. I didn't think I was going to enjoy the first five games of the year. I, like you said, I didn't know if we were going to win two series all year. It looks like we're going to win the first two. And, you know, to have four wins at this point in the year, I mean, I thought we would be looking at the end of April and maybe we get four wins. I mean, this was going, I thought this was going to be a historically bad baseball team. Um, but they're winning games. They're finding ways to win. The opener strategy, which I also want to touch on here, is brilliant for the Orioles. You only have three actual starting pitchers, and then you have a goof troop in your uh, rotation. Four, maybe. Yeah, maybe With four. David maybe four. But you don't. You definitely don't have five. So uh, I don't have a problem doing the opener strategy. It worked for the Tampa Bay Rays. They won 90 games last year. They're going to win a bunch this year. And uh, that's a fine strategy if you don't have the number of starters that most teams have. I, I agree completely. And, and you know, look, it, it's five games, but you're starting to see some pieces to build around. I think Trey Mancini is somebody that's really starting to come on. He looks really good again tonight. Uh, Jonathan VR is, is, is a really good player. I really like the Dwight Smith. Uh, that was highway robbery, what we did to get him for cash considerations. Or I think it was international bonus slots for, for the Jays. And it's nice to see him cool. taking it to his former team. But, yeah, I mean, you're starting to David Hess potentially being a building block. You know, even if this team is really bad, and I still think they likely will be, uh, it, it's fun. To, they're fun to watch, and they play the game the right way. And at the very least, we're not going to have somebody wearing number 13 loafing down to first base every time he gets a grounder. 
that's the other thing that's and you mentioned it. No one on this team, other than Chris Davis, well, Chris Davis won't be loafing because he won't be running because he'll strike out. But you don't run to first base when you strike out. Um, but no one on this team can loaf because no one on this team is good enough to be guaranteed a spot on a major league roster. None of them have an ego. Well, none of them have an ego because none of them have enough clout to demand a major league sure. roster spot. So I agree. Uh, I think that's another great thing about it. Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll be very excited. Leland's going to hear it all year long. Let's hope it stays positive and I can keep the positive aspect on the Orioles, even when it does eventually have to turn South. Um, yeah, I think the key is Mike Elias and I think, and Brandon Hyde, I think they, they, they really are, are what you have to focus on. Even when times are bad, I think they're going to do the right thing. They're going to develop players. This is the first time we've seen player development be at the top of the list for an Orioles organization. It has been a weakness for a really long time. It was a weakness even when we were good under Buck. And so I, particularly in the pitching department. And I think, you know, what you saw with David Hess, what you're seeing with what they're doing with Kashner. Kashner, I do have to point out, Doug Brokale was his pitching coach when he had his best year as a Texas Ranger um, here in Arlington, Texas. So that connection, I got to see that myself personally. But um, yeah, I, I think they're they're headed in the right direction, and and uh, you know, hopefully in in October we're doing we're doing the Orioles uh, World Series dance. Definitely, um, I think that's the only realistic thing to take away from the month of March here is that the Orioles are definitely looking like World Series contenders. Yes. And uh, it's going to be us in the Rays. The Red Sox and the Yankees are done. They're too far out. Yeah, don't call me with your Vegas betting lines. It's all Orioles. All <laughs> Orioles. All in. 2,000 to 1 odds on opening day to win yes. a World Series. I know. Oh, it's God. crazy. It's crazy. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what's dominating our lives and what we know that you need to know. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast. Uh, Apologize again for the lack of high school discussions, but it's baseball season. March Madness has been going on. After this week, March Madness will be over. The Orioles season will probably be over, and we'll get back to the spring sports here in Augusta County around the high school uh, landscape. Uh, I know that we're trying to get Buffalo Gap's new football coach on here sometime in the near future, so hopefully we can make that happen. But... Ryan, uh, this is something we do at the end called what is dominating my life and what I know that you need to know. I'll go ahead and start. What is dominating my life is going into Sunday. I was like, this is the worst weekend for sports. The Orioles have already crushed my heart um, because opening day was a just total disaster. Virginia Tech loses in the most heartbreaking fashion. UVA wins in the most disgusting fashion. And... I was like, what's the point? And I'm watching Liverpool on Sunday. They're up one nothing. I'm like, okay, cruise control, get a win here, get back at the top of the table, have a fighting chance against Manchester City. And then in the second half, Tottenham equalizes, and I just throw up my arms, and I'm watching the game with Brad, and I was like, I don't even know why I watch sports. Like, all it does is just totally rip my heart out and spit in my face. And I just keep signing up for it. Like, yeah, this time will be better. Um, but... Then, very late on in the 90th minute, Mo Salah, who has been quite horrific to watch at different points this year, which has been surprising because he was so amazing last year, um, puts a header toward the goal. It goes off of Tottenham's keeper's hands, is rolling, bounce off of his hands, bounces off a defender's shin, and slowly rolls over the line for a go-ahead goal late for Liverpool at Anfield. The crowd went bananas. Uh, My mom, who was also in the room taking a nap, her nap was quite loudly interrupted by my brother and I screaming and jumping off the couch. Um, (laughs) So it it was amazing. Liverpool back top of the table. Again, Manchester City controls their own destiny because they've played one less game than we have. But they have a tougher schedule. I'm hoping one of those games they draw and Liverpool wins out. I don't have high hopes. I still think Manchester City will win the league because uh, I can't have nice things. But, uh, you know, I I still have a little bit of hope that Liverpool will win their first title in 29 years. That's a good one. I, I'm going to have a tough time topping, topping that. We haven't talked enough about it on this show, so I think it's only appropriate. What's dominating my life right now is a little team called the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. I've been in my in my guest room 
I have been in my guest room for three hours for pretty much the entire first five games. Uh, took a detour because I'm good friends with you to come on this podcast. But this team really, in a, in a, in a, like you mentioned the Virginia Tech loss, and a really tough time for, for local sports or teams that I like because um, I don't care about the Nationals or UVA. But in, in, a, in a drought and a time where obviously the Capitals and playoffs are getting ready to start. But I did not expect the Orioles to be dominating my life. I did not expect them to really even be in my life other than checking a box score. <laughs> and after opening day, when I was out covering the Rangers game and it was on the Jumbotron and we were getting embarrassed on national TV at Texas Live in Arlington, I was like, you know what? This is about as bad as I thought it was going to be. It might even be worse. But then, you know what? Four straight, here we come. And I, it's just it's a team that's always going to be near and dear to my heart. When you and I went to the playoff game in 2012, got to see him beat the Yankees. 20, 2014, Delman Young hitting the ball over over the over the outfielder's head to, to bring in a couple of runs uh, to come back and beat the Tigers and sweep them. It's just a team that you know they're they're such a lovable bunch of losers that that you know they they always seem to find a way to capture my heart, and so they they are absolutely dominating my life to the point where I don't even think my wife knows where I live anymore. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do you know that we need to know? Well, you probably already know it, but I, I, I'll be honest. I, I was way late to the Game of Thrones um, uh, affair. And, you know, you, you're somebody who, who didn't like some of the later seasons. I'm loving just about everything. So I guess this is kind of part two oh, of what's dominating my life. God. But I am I am loving making my way through, and I'm almost there to the April 14th season premiere um, and, I, and I'm pretty stoked about, about where I'm, where I'm at with that show. That is just a great show. I, I, I don't know why I wanted to be anti game of Thrones for a portion of my life, but I finally caved. I watched all of it. I haven't read the books like you and Marlo, but it, oh, it, it's such a good show. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the deaths are so surprising. It always keeps you guessing, you know, annoying characters always have the most rewarding deaths. Um, like, you know, spoiler alert, but it's been out for a long time by now, but Joffrey, what an enjoy, I mean, that was such, I enjoyed that poisoning so much watching that. Um, but I'm all about game of Thrones and, uh, I, I, am I'm really excited. I'm all, like I said, I'm almost there to catching up before the April 14th, uh, season premiere and the final season, uh, of game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm happy. It's the final season. I know. My God, the last few seasons have just been unbearable. The show oh, writers, Joe, you're, you're so you're so in the minority on the that. The show writers are so much worse at this than George R. R. Martin. Um, George R. R. Martin's kind of a creep. So, well, okay, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but we don't need to touch that topic. Moving on. Yeah, what I know that you need to know is another HBO show. Veep is back for what I believe is yeah. its final season as well. I'm super. I didn't watch the season premiere last night. It's on demand. Um, but what I'm really excited about is is Veep. Um, it's a hilarious show. It, it's great. It doesn't take the partisan sides. So if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you can watch it and laugh. Um because like, and the actor's name is escaping me, but um, he plays one of the staffers on Julia Louis-Dreyfus's, who is the the main character. Her, her character's name is Selena Myers. Um, her campaign, or her staff, uh, the media guy said in an interview, he goes, Democrats think we're, think we're making fun of Republicans. Republicans think we're making fun of Democrats. And that's what makes this show good is we don't pick sides. We just show the absolute farcical nature that is Washington, D.C. And it, it is. I mean, it's a, this allows you to laugh at things that when you look at Washington, D.C. sometimes are not funny um, in real life. But this show is funny. And again, if you've never watched Veep, you should. It, it has literally zero partisan leanings at all. Um, it makes fun of just the characters and the characters just absolutely stupid mistakes that they make. And that's what makes it good. Yeah, it's a great show. We actually didn't plan that uh, to be both HBO need to know. So know. that's, uh, that, I, that's I actually that's had no good. idea what you were going to say on either one of yours, but I loved both of them. You didn't you didn't see the Orioles coming? Um, no. Again, I, I Leland is going to be really happy. I know. 
he was worried that when he wasn't on here, we weren't going to get any soccer talk. Um, I know that he loves when I talk soccer. I just wanted to make sure that he got that in as well. So um, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that for him. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Yak Sports Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. We're on Facebook, Yak Sports Podcast. Like us, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcast uh, device is or medium is. Please follow us on there and share the episodes to, with your friends. Let them know. Comment on here. Uh, Jeff Wright, I know you're going to comment and tell us about how we didn't talk enough about UVA, and you're probably right, but I can't be but so positive. Um, Tony Bennett's a good coach. Congratulations on your Final Four. End of story. Um, tell us what you think about Buzz Williams, because this is something I know Leland is stressing about as well. Um, so tell us your thoughts on everything. Are you excited for Game of Thrones? Are you excited for Veep? Let us know all that. Again, uh, hit us up on the social media. We love talking to our fans. Um, Jeff Wright, I will mention, he did tweet us as soon as UVA went to the Final Four and said that we should now have to mention UVA is the first team to lose to a 16 seed that then went on to win or went on to go to a Final Four. I'm just going to stop at the first part of that because that is also equally true. They're the first team to lose to a 16 seed. What kind of stat is that? They're also the only team to lose to a 16 seed. Um, and teams have been to Final Fours. I, I'm not amazed by that stat. Um, so let's just keep it where we had it, Jeff. Let's keep it professional. Um, you can't have too long of headlines. So UVA, <laughs> first 16 to lose, or first one to lose to a 16. That's your headline. Um, and congrats on making history. I mean, that was great. Um, you can't be the first to win a final four while, while losing to a, a 16 seed, unless you lose to the 16th seed again. Yeah. It's too bad. They didn't do it again. They almost did, but Oh, well, um, yeah. Oh. Thanks a lot. Gardner Webb. Uh, but anyway, Again, follow us, share our episode, and until next week, folks, again, we will get back to the high school sports next week. I'm sure of it. Uh, Until next week, folks, thanks for listening to the UX Sports Podcast. Good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 